Welcome to Hey YA! From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a Book Riot podcast hosted by Kelly Jensen and me, Eric Smith. Uh, And today's episode is a special extra credit episode! Every other week, opposite the main Hayway podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast, either as a book club discussion with a beloved YA author, or a look at two excellent backlist YA books for your TBR. Today's show is sponsored by Novel Gazing, BookRite's new literary fiction podcast. Novel Gazing is your destination for all things literary fiction, bringing you news from the world of fiction and recommendations for under-the-radar reads, works in translation, buzzy books, and more. Stay in the know, expand your TBR and your view of literary fiction, and of course, have some laughs with the hosts Mary Kay McBrayer and Louise Johnson. Novel Gazing is a bi-weekly show available wherever you get your podcasts. Go listen to episode one now. All right. For my first guest, I'd like to welcome Phil Stamper. Hi, Eric. Hi, everyone. Hey, Phil. Thanks for coming on. This is exciting. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think my English teacher would be uh, very happy that I'm doing extra credit um, because <laughs> literally I had so much extra credit my senior year of high school um, that I had like 107 in the class when I graduated. So yeah, love the name. I am very much into extra credit in all its forms. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Um, so yeah, so me and Kelly were big fans of your social media investigation into the whole handbook for mortals situation. We still talk <laughs> fondly about it. Uh, and now you've got a book coming out that's about someone who's a social media journalist. Uh, can you tell us a bit about it? And uh, what came first, the scandal or the story? <laughs> yeah, so that's super interesting because... Nobody has made that connection before and nobody has asked me about it. And I've been waiting for it for a very long time. So this is perfect. Um, And I think you mentioned on an earlier episode of your podcast, you were talking about the uh, connection. And that's when I was like, wait a second, nobody's actually gone there with me on this. And the funny thing is, I wrote this, um, I wrote The Gravity of Us back in 2016. Uh, for NaNoWriMo. Um, This entire Handbook for Mortal situation that happened in uh, I want to say August of 2017. So almost a full mm. year later. Um, so I didn't have a book deal yet, but I did have that as a finished manuscript. I was on submission with this manuscript actually as this all went down. So this actually had nothing to do with the handbook for mortal story, but there is a scene kind of near the end where, um, you know, he's, he's used to going viral and like, in his own way. Uh, but near the end, there's something that he does that kind of causes a ripple effect where he is kind of just inundated with news requests and um, he keeps getting kind of phone calls from journalists and he doesn't know how to deal with all of this information. And I like, I, I wrote that before I experienced literally the exact same experience oh, a year wow. later um, when I like, I walked away from my Twitter during this whole handbook for mortals thing. And I came back to literally 20,000 notifications and I was like, (laughs) I didn't know it counted that high. Um, So I like, it's strange. Like, cause I read that again after and I was just like, how did I, how did I imagine what this feeling would be like? And I was able to kind of enhance it. And, you know, when, whenever you you do read that part, um, you know, I'm sure some of my revisions have come from that, from both sides of the experience, but that was always kind of a fun, fun thing for me, like saying like, you know, I didn't write this social media journalist. I like, I wrote the social media journalist because I thought that that's the way that, 
um, this teen could have his message heard. Um, and that's just what worked for him. And then I realized that, you know, we followed a kind of a similar path um, that he did through the story just a year later and about a completely different topic. <laughs> that is so wild. Um, so for the people listening that, that haven't heard of your book yet, maybe, can you, can you tell us a bit about it? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, maybe I should have started there. Anyway, um, <laughs> The Gravity Bus is a, um, I like to call it a, a present day reimagining of the 60s space race. Um, and what it is like, it is essentially a love story between two sons of astronauts whose lives are uprooted for their parents' NASA mission to Mars. Um, and you know a little bit about the main character already, so I'll save you a bit of that. Uh, but it, he is a social media journalist who um, is kind of uprooted from his life in New York City and is forced to move uh, against his will to Houston because his father becomes one of the astronauts um, for the Orpheus missions to Mars, which is a fictional um, mission that I created kind of in the same vein as the Apollo or Gemini missions uh, back in the 60s. Oh, it sounds so good. I'm so excited. I have had an arc for way too long, and I cannot wait to have this winter break that's coming up to uh, yes. dig in and read it. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Um very excited for it to be out in the world, which is soon. Um Soon, even as we're recording this, but whenever it comes out, it'll be even sooner, and I will yeah. be even more terrified. And it comes out in February, right? Yeah, it comes out on February 4th. Excellent. Um, well, speaking of reading, what have you been reading lately? So I guess most recently, so I had to do a lot of reading for a few panels that I was on, and I, um, I got to read The Grief Keeper uh, by Alessandra uh, Villasante, and um, I love that book so much. Um, I don't know if you read it yet. No, I haven't read um, it. So it's, uh, I'm going to totally botch this because I haven't you know, rehearsed it. Uh, but we'll just say it's a, um, it's, it's a contemporary love story, but it's also a story about a, an, an immigrant who moves to the U S and is detained and, um, the government or who she thinks is the government, um, offers her a way out. And that way is if she becomes a test subject for a government program that transfers, um, specific mental, health issues like uh, PTSD um, through a sensor from one person to the other. So in oh a way, God. she gets to hold on to this grief to ease someone else's uh, pain in a very trying time. And it's just such a complicated but amazing story. And like, you don't get too hung up on the details. I know I just kind of threw a lot of concepts at you, but it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was one of my favorites of the year. That sounds like such an awesome premise. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. And I got to, and we, we got to chat a bit at the, uh, at the panel and I got to ask her all of my questions that I had, um, which was amazing. Um, so yeah. And just follow her on Twitter. She's amazing. That sounds great. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, so well, on my end, I just started reading, uh, Tara Sims scavenge the stars, Ooh, nice. which comes out, it comes out next month, but I'm not sure when this episode is airing. So it comes out in January. Okay. <laughs> it might be out already. Um, Longtime listeners of the podcast or who have read any blog I've ever written kind of know that, like, I'm obsessed with Tara Sim's Timekeeper trilogy. Um, yeah, I thought so. Oh, I love those books so much. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited to read this one. In the last episode of the Kelly, I, I might have said, someone please send me this book. So if that was you, <laughs> publicist who's listening right now, thank you very much. Um, 
It's the, it's one of the first books on my like to be read list for the holiday break. Of course, uh, in addition to yours, it's a, uh, it's a gender swap retelling of the Count of Monte Cristo. Um, yeah, I'm so wildly excited. Um, here, I'm going to read the, the, the jacket copy really quick here. Um, uh, when Amaya rescues a mysterious stranger from drowning, she fears her rash actions have earned her a longer sentence on the debtor ship where she's been held captive for years. Instead, the man she saved offers her unimaginable riches and a new identity, setting her on a perilous journey through the coastal city-state of Moray, where her old-world opulence and desperate gamblers collide. Uh, Amaya wants one thing, revenge against the man who ruined her family and stole the life she once had. But the more entangled she becomes in this game of deception, uh, and as her path intertwines with the son of the man she's plotting to bring down, the more she uncovers the truth of her past, and the more she realizes she must trust no one. Ooh, oh my god. She must trust right? no one. I love that stinger at the end. Ugh. How do you not read that? I know. I'm just a chapter in, and I just can't wait to have that time to myself to uh, to dig into it. Um, so yeah, so now for our, our backlist book of choice for today's chat. Yeah, very excited for this. Oh my god, me too. Um, especially because this is one of the books that really got me at like smitten with YA yeah. in a way that I hadn't been uh, just um, at, at the time. Um, and that's The Walls Around Us by Nova Rensuma, who's sort of an eternal favorite here on the Hey YA podcast. Um, like for me, this was the first book of hers that I'd read. Um, it was like a gateway book for me into her, her just collection. Um, I'll never forget the publicity email I got for this one because it was the best hook I've ever heard for a novel. Uh, they called it Orange is the New Black Swan. Oh my God. That's such an that amazing, like 2016 pitch too. Like you oh, can, you can't beat that. It was so perfect. And it just, it just stuck with me in such a big way. Was it your first Nova book too? I'm curious because it was only after I read this that I picked up Imaginary Girls and Seventeen and Gone. Yeah, so um, Nova was a was uh, one of my critique partner's favorite authors, and I, I had never oh, no read way. anything at that point from her. Um, but I really did. Um, I, I'd only heard great things, so I thought this like reading the different um, descriptions. I thought this was kind of the best one to start with. Um, and it just immediately you kind of get pulled in and like, you know, that this is a very special author, um, and a very special book that you're about to read. Um, so I thought that was amazing. Like, it's really hard to draw someone in not only to your book, but like your entire writing style in like a couple paragraphs. And I felt like I just immediately tumbled into this world and I loved it. Oh yeah. Her prose is so like lyrical and like atmospheric, but also really commercial. And like, mm -hmm. that's. That's really what stuck with me, I guess, as um, as someone who isn't, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot about the prose that I write and like, you know, how much voice to put in and that kind of stuff. But I, you know, she has such a masterful balance of, um, of just, I don't, I don't, it, I guess really well-written prose yeah. and, um, but like captivating enough that it felt so, um, it felt so commercial and like, like real and easy to like easy to easy to read, but then also like it sat with you for so long. Absolutely. Um, so, and it's kind of hard to talk about this book without too many spoilers. So um, yeah. I just want to give, <laughs> let me give the listeners the jacket copy in case they want to pick it up without anything spoiled here. Uh, and then we'll dive on in. Um, so uh, on the outside, there's Violet, uh, an 18 year old dancer uh, days away from her, 
Days away from the life of her dreams where some, when something threatens to expose the shocking truth of her achievements. On the inside, within the walls of Aurora Hills Juvenile Detention Center, there's Amber, locked up for so long that she can't imagine freedom. Tying their two worlds together is Oriana, who holds the key to unlocking all the girls' darkest mysteries. What really happened on the night Oriana stepped between Violet and her tormentors? What really happened on two strange nights at Aurora Hills? Will Amber and Violet and Oriana ever get the justice they deserve in this life or in another one? Uh, in prose that sings from line to line, Novarinsuma tells a supernatural tale of guilt and of innocence and of what happens when one is mistaken for the other. You know, like, I would love to know who, like, the market like jacket copy person was for this and the publicist who oh, just yeah. like because like everything from that like hook line to like even the jacket copy like everything's so good yeah it really embodies the whole like the the two side outside and inside like that pulling in that dynamic for the pitch i think is brilliant because those i mean those three characters um violet amber and oriana um are so interconnected uh but we learn that as we read it like it doesn't it's not like automatically you know you learn about all three girls and it's kind of back and forth from there. It's like the two worlds are kept very separate and then they're pulled together in a very creepy way that I, I don't know how far into spoilers we want to get this one. Um, do you have a rule here? At uh, nah, not really. I think we could dig into the whole book. That That's what we did. Uh, me and Kelly did it on another one. So we're fine. <laughs> okay. Pe- people can run away if they don't want us to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's such a cool, pitch um the whole thing is masterful but you know so is the book so um that makes sense to me uh, so i was i was just reading through the synopsis because i i read this back in 2016 and i there were i i remember all of the emotions of the book and like how i was just like on the edge of my seat the entire time and it was so creepy and i love so much about it and you made a note here saying like is this a horror novel? Like what makes a YA novel a horror novel? And that, um, I'm still trying to figure that out three years later. (laughs) I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. It's just, it's such a strange book. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, like we have ghosts in this, there's, there's a big old spoiler, I guess, for, uh, for the listeners here in this. Lots of ghosts. Lots of ghosts in this novel. Um, (laughs) both like the sort of, you know, the ghosts that like, haunt us from mistakes that we've done. And then, you know, actual ghosts. <laughs> Literal <laughs> ghosts. Yeah. Literal ghosts here. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I had, a, I had a couple of friends when we were talking about this book, like asking, like, if this was a horror novel, is it a horror YA? Um, would you consider this horror? And I, I don't know, you know? Um, yeah. I, the only reason I hesitate to call it a horror, I, I mean, I think it is it, it, like, we have to classify it as that um, just because, you know, there's, there's murder involved, there are ghosts, like, it's a creepy, scary story, but I hate attaching the word horror to mm-hmm. a YA um, book like this, because it's not that, um, it's not that it's scary, I guess, like, there are no, like, jump scare type moments, it's just, like, authentically creepy from the very beginning, even when things are going really well for, um, is it Amber? Sorry, which, oh no, Violet, Violet's the one who's been accepted to Juilliard, um, so the the ballet dancer who's been accepted to Juilliard, everything's going well for her, but like you still know that something's not right oh, like yeah. from the very beginning. And it's I think it's interwoven, which she did really well with stories from Amber. Like I think it's um it's dual POV, if I'm remembering correctly. 
Yeah, don't we get don't we get the POV of the of Oriana in one point two? Does she pop in we? towards the end? I might be remembering that wrong. I can't remember if she gets her full chapter or if um, she just. I mean, I know I know the scenes that we're thinking of, um, so it would make sense that she did. Actually, yeah, probably because, huh? Well, anyway, <laughs> so mul- multiple points of view, um, but it's all woven together that we can't disassemble it apparently, um, which is, I mean, that's clever. It's how, how she intended it for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but to the like to the horror aspect, I think it has to like all of the things involved. Like they're it's so creepy, and there's so much horror to it. Um, and also, just like you said, the like how guilt hangs over us, and that kind of uh, the ghosts of our past uh, coming back to haunt us, even not literally. Um, I think because it deals with such like realistic and fantastical elements. Like I would definitely call it such a bizarre horror honestly it is it's such like an interesting genre blend which is one of the things i really like about you know all of nova's books um and in particular this one because this one we kind of there there are some like sort of odd like kind of time travelish elements happening at some points with um oh shoot when is it when the when the when the ghost sees um oh dear which ghost <laughs> again there are a lot of ghosts <laughs> Because no, uh, uh, Oriana is like sort of tied to both of them, even though right. her story is happening in the past and sort of in the present at the same time, which I thought was really interesting how we have that sort yeah, of back true. and forth happening in the story. Um, ah. I don't know if I would call it time travel, though, because the time traveler is a ghost. Yeah, that's true. So I guess it's <laughs> in this world, it really is like, it makes total sense for the world. But then I guess the question is like, is she a ghost? Because doesn't she like kill? One of the characters. Again, I'm still straying away from spoilers. <laughs> there are lots of questions, and I love that about this book. You know, you're you're constantly second guessing what's going on and what the characters, you know, have done or haven't done. Yeah, and you also don't know. You don't get the timeline really at the beginning. You just know that there are two girls, and then eventually three. Once like Oriana's kind of introduces a main character, um, like Amber and Violet. Amber is of the past, um, and she has an entire story, which is kind of terrifying to think of, um, especially with uh, all of the poison that happens in this book, which also, <laughs> I think, makes it a horror. Um, and then Violet in the present in like this really, I, I don't know, it's such a, the, the present story felt very like, it started out like every other YA, you know, with an ambitious main character, and then it kind of got pulled in with Amber's dark past and, you know, what actually happened and how Violet got accepted to Juilliard and what happened to, you know, the people who would have gotten there if they didn't mysteriously die, um, without saying any spoilers. And, um, I think that was such a strange, uh, if that's, even in that way, it does kind of feel like time travel, even if it's not. And I think that's a very cool thing that she did. I mean, which, you know, Nova's kind of the master at, at all of this and at creeping you out throughout um, different timelines and keeping a lot of information from you at the right time. Because you never want to feel, I don't, I don't know if you see this a lot when you're reading, but you never want to feel like you're, um, you don't know everything going into it. Like you always want to feel like information is being revealed to you at the right time. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting you're bringing up information, um, cause it sort of makes me think about like the, like the interesting power dynamics that happen in this book. Um, particularly when dealing with, you know, one of these characters is in a detention facility. Um, cause only one of the characters really knows what has happened, you know, and it's our character that is the, you know, wildly ambitious one on the outside. Well, I mean, I guess the other one also knows what happened, but the, only, the only one person, yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, only one person has like the potential to make things right, uh, but absolutely isn't doing it. Yeah. Like the information piece, like, I feel like that's something we have to all kind of deal with in our own books. So like, you know, you never want to just, no, everyone hates an info dump. And in this book, you certainly don't get one ever, but you're never yearning for more information. Um, like, you know, that something's going down in the juvenile detention center, you know, something creepy is happening, especially when uh, I think there's like a scene when they realize when we're still not sure the one point of view is from the juvenile detention center. One is from um, kind of the quote unquote real world beyond it, um, because once they once Violet goes to visit the juvenile detention center, she sees that it's uh, it's destroyed and has not been operating for many years. Even though we at that point kind of thought that Amber, who was in the detention center, was still in present day with us. So that was like the first of many twists. And it happens only like, I think like, I don't know, third, halfway through the book that um, we start getting pretty big twists that like Mm -hmm. shift our entire perception of the book. But I never felt like she was hiding information from us or if it was like, it was all just like done very methodically and very... um, yeah, I guess, yeah, methodically is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, I would love to see how this book was outlined, you know? Because uh, there's, you know, how you're saying how, like, the twists and turns kind of feel, I don't know, they, they, it doesn't feel like a, uh, I don't know, like, the, this is just, I'm writing this in to just to have a surprise, you know? It all feels very purposeful, um, you know, very unnerving. Well, and there's been some conversation about that on the internet, um, about, you know, whether what we should know before a twist or like what makes a good twist. And um, there's always some like back and forth about like whether you should be able to guess twists or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts on that are. I mean, I like it when you can guess, guess a twist. It doesn't necessarily ruin it for me if I don't mm-hmm. like for me, a good twist makes me, you know, grab the book and give it a good shake, <laughs> yeah. which is certainly something that happened while I was reading this one. Yeah. I think even if you know the twist, like there's that moment when it switches and you know that it's coming, mm-hmm. um, even if you haven't fact figured it out until that page, but like, and then once it starts happening, you're like, Oh no, 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 no. Like you want that <laughs> moment where you're like, Oh God, Oh God, turn it back a page. Like pretend this didn't happen. Um, and like, that's the like feeling I think you want with a really, really good twist where it's like, maybe you saw it coming, but then when it happens, it still finds a way to, you know, grab your attention, um, and really shift the tone of the book. Cause the tone should shift, I think, with the twist and it yeah. should feel like all the air has been set from the room. And, you know, and you can, you end up caring enough about the characters that even though you know the twist that's going to happen, you're, you're having that like, oh, no, 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 sort yeah. of feeling there. Exactly. Um, it's interesting to bring up the, the caring about characters thing there because, uh, there's this great interview and I'll link it in the show notes where, um, Nova's talking with School Library Journal about the book and whether or not the characters were quote unquote likable or not. Oh, yeah. And it like stuck with me a lot. Um, because she specifically said how, like, 
you know, in a lot of YA novels, girl characters are often called out for being unlikable as opposed to the boys uh, in the books. Uh, and that's something I really hadn't thought of, you know, at, at the time when I was reading it there. Um, did you find the girls and the characters here likable or not? Was that like an issue? I Well, so... I, the the girls are all murderers. So like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to say like likability is not really something I'm looking for in exactly, yeah. a character like that. But you know, mm-hmm. that's me. Maybe people want everyone to be likable. Um, but no, I, I think that's actually really interesting because I would say around that time was when we really started to focus on, you know, who gets called unlikable. It used mm-hmm. to be just kind of a word that was thrown around on Goodreads for, you know, whenever we didn't like something that happened to a character um, or a choice they made. And I think around that time, we were all kind of waking up to the fact that, you know, that there's obviously an inequality in whose characters are deemed uh, unlikable for what they do. And, you know, why do we hold you know female characters to different standards? Um, and I think it's really interesting that Nova was able to do this and in, in, in a major trade publication um, and really break it down like that. Um, so I'm actually excited to revisit that because I, I remember this being a thing um, because it's like, why would you complain about a murderer being unlikable? <laughs> um, and also, like, they were all captivating characters. So, yeah. like, I didn't care. Like, I no, I don't want to be your best friend because she kills her best friends. So, like, <laughs> no, that's not my thing. But, like, I still love these characters so much. And, like, just reading their names, I was like, oh, Oriana. And then got chills because, you know, it's a little ghosty. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a great quote in there in that article where she says, like, she doesn't read a book to be friends with the characters. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we want to read about captivating captivating people and captivating stories. It, who cares? Yeah, and I feel like we kind of get too lost into, like, well, I wouldn't have made that choice, so this is a wrong character, or, you know, whatever. Like, especially in the horror genre when we're just, like, rules don't apply here. Yeah. Um, it's a very different <laughs> world. But even in contemporary, I see this all the time. Um of course, it's not like completely cut and dry, um, whether it is a fair critique or not. But I think we have to be a little bit more careful with our words when we are critiquing a character to make sure we don't fall into those kind of uh, negative stereotypes. And we don't say things like that, where, <laughs> again, obviously, this murderer ghost is like not likable. <laughs> I mean, I liked her, to be honest, oh, me, as me I was too. reading. So <laughs> I guess she is likable. You know, I'm going to change that. This is exactly what I'm looking for in a friend. <laughs> oh, boy. What else? What else can we discuss when it comes to Nova's books? If you were giving this to someone for the first time, uh, which which I hope, you know, some people listening are going to pick this up for the first time, what what would be, you know, what would you tell them? Oh, yeah. I actually... Um... So I still, I had an, an advanced copy as well, uh, that I had in my office for like years too long because I always hold on to these. Um, and so I remember I, I actually gave one to them. And at this point they were like, what's it about? And I was like, uh, because whenever you're asked what a book is about, you completely forget that you've ever read oh, a book. Oh, of course. Um, and I was just like, it made me feel really creepy. Like it, it made me really nervous and creeped out, but I like couldn't put it down and. The writing was really approachable, but like so well written. Like it just, it, it gave me that like cozy, that like cozy feeling when I'm reading a really good novel and like feel safe in bed or whatever. But I wasn't safe in bed. I was terrified of these murder ghosts. So like, uh, it was a, it was an interesting, I've never had a book do that to me in the same way. The closest would probably be like Sadie, where it was like, Sadie's not a murderous ghost. Let's clear that up. But like, I had the same. I was like so captivated by it, but um, 
their scenarios made me feel very unsafe. Like I just like was terrified for these characters. Um, and so it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, I, I'm at home in with this writing, but like not with what's happening out there. Mm -hmm. So that's what, you know, I would ramble until they took the book and walked away um, (laughs) as one does, but it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a really pretty cover. And I feel like we weren't seeing a lot of illustrated covers in 2016, but maybe I'm just misremembering. But it felt very in line with, you know, her other books. And that's what I think drew me to it first was the cover. And also it's like 18 starred reviews and whatever (laughs) else. Like that's, you know, that's what that also pulls you in. And the fact (laughs) that like, I think it was the number one bestseller, which is like, yeah, it is apparently. I didn't even realize that. Oh, yeah. I thought there was this like hidden gem. Just I knew it was super popular. I didn't realize it hit number one. That's amazing. It should have. So I'm glad. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it for us. Um, yeah, Phil, why don't you tell everyone uh, where we can, you know, when and where we can pick up your book uh, and where we can find you on the internet. Yeah. So um, philstanford.com um, will have all the information you need. Um, you can find me online on Twitter and on Instagram and even on Facebook sometimes. Um, it's at Stampy PK, S-T-A-N-P-E-P-K, or you could just search Phil Stamper. I am the Phil Stamper who <laughs> is not a pro wrestler. And that's just because that's the other one that comes up. And the other one's like a, an L.A. socialite. So, like, I'm not either of those, but you shouldn't think I am because <laughs> we, we all run in very different circles. So, um, so I don't think you have any problem finding me. All right. And my books will be everywhere, hopefully. If not, ask your bookseller to buy them. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Phil. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, I will keep an eye out for uh, your book in the in the coming, depending on when this comes out, coming days or coming weeks. Oh my God, that's <laughs> terrifying. All right, thank you. <laughs> no problem. Bye.